Next Sunday's going to be an amazing day. It's Easter already. Come on, somebody. Uh, what more do you need, right, than celebrate the resurrection of Jesus? But we're also going to resurrect some women and children from a horrible lifestyle and to liberate them into the full life in Jesus. Today, I want to focus on the cross and um, look at what happened to Jesus as he was taken for us and uh, began to redeem mankind. So to get our thoughts going, I'm going to look at several different scriptures today because I, I just feel like we need to to be able to really honor what this week is all about and to honor the cross. And we're going to celebrate the cross through communion at the end of the service. So don't leave early uh, because we are going to separate ourselves before the Lord and just say, God, help me to honor you today. Help me to just worship you today and uh, allow the Lord to speak to us through the communion together. It's going to be a beautiful time. But Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 is where we're going to begin today and where I want to uh, get our thoughts going from. I uh, feel the Lord drawing me to this verse to share with you. Here's what the writer of Hebrews says to us. Looking unto Jesus. Well, there's a sermon, right? So how many of us need some help with that? Right? Just looking at Jesus each week. The author and the finisher of our faith. How many are glad he didn't just start it, he's going to finish it in you. Here's the peculiar part. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. I think sometimes when we read that, it's easy just to kind of read through it and say, oh yeah, he did that. But I, I want us to focus a little bit more on that because then at the end it says he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And today as we continue this series that we've been in on the way of Jesus, some of you, God's spoken to you different weeks, different times during this series. I've heard people say, Oh, that week really spoke to me. Perhaps today would be a day when God might speak to most all, I hope all of us, through the way of the cross. The way of the cross. I want us to look at this phrase, he endured the cross. It's just easy to read that and think, well, yeah, he did that. He did that. But what was that when Jesus was crucified? And by the way, uh, that's just a fact, okay? Because not only do several people record it that we know of, there are people who recorded it that maybe you don't know uh, that also in history wrote about Jesus being crucified. His death was as a result of crucifixion. What is crucifixion? I just want to 
remind us a little bit about the cross. It was reserved, the Romans reserved this for slaves, uh, for the worst of criminals. It was perhaps the most horrible, torturous form of death that could be conceived at that time. Uh, the Romans didn't invent it, they perfected it. Uh, the Phoenicians invented it, it's said, history records, but the Romans took it to another level. It was physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually draining. So much so that the scripture says that the person who hangs on a tree that they're cursed. It's, it's like a cursed death, the most horrible form of death. And just to get prepared for this, the scriptures say, and by the way, all the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all record about this. Only two record about his birth, but all four record about his death burial, and resurrection. And as they record about this, uh, the scripture says that they stripped him as they would any prisoner that was going to be beaten. And uh, they tied their hands to a post so that their back would be fully exposed. And he was stripped, I would say, to be striped for us because by his stripes were healed. And he took this scourging, which scourging, that, that sounds kind of bad, but it, it was probably nine pieces of leather strap that were uh, like a whip in the hands of Roman soldiers that also had bone or metal, uh, sometimes steel balls, uh, other things attached to the ends of that. And they would stand one on one side of the victim and one on the other side. And one would hit the victim from that side and rip the skin. And then the other would come from the other side and rip the skin. By the time they were done with maybe close to 40 lashes most of the time, uh, the person would have perhaps some of their ribs exposed. Uh, you could see organs. Uh, blood was, of course, all over the place. And through the loss of blood and just the horrible trauma of that, many people would be in a state of shock. And after Jesus endured this, they mocked him. They put a crown of thorns upon his head and pressed it down. They smacked him in the face. They spit upon him. They cursed at him. They then stripped him naked again and hung him in shame on the cross because that was part of the persecution was to shame the person. He's nailed to the cross with spikes that are approximately 
seven inches long that the Romans figured out could be put into a place in the wrist and they would suspend the person in the air on the cross and then they would put a spike into their feet and at that point the person would be able to only get a deep breath by pushing themselves up on their feet on that spike to be able to get a deep breath because suspended like that after a beating like that it would be nearly impossible to breathe as a matter of fact many people that died on a cross on crucifixion would die from asphyxiation. Uh, They would be so exhausted from trying to breathe and trying to catch their breath and exhausted from pushing themselves up on that third nail, that third spike that was in their feet, that they would ultimately just give up in impure exhaustion die. It took a while. Many of them, many of these people, and of course it was a horrible thing, and that was the whole point, is you better not cross the Romans. You better not mess with us because look at what happens. If you want to know what we do with people that get out of line, people that don't go along with what we want, this is what it's all about. It would have been a place of horror, the moaning, the pain, the the blood, all of that. And, And I have a hard time today being able to really describe this to you. Um, I, I would, I would say, uh, one of the best things that you can do to try to, um, check this out is, is to look into it for yourself. Uh, the Romans recorded a lot of information about what they did with crucifixion. And so you can research this on your own. If you want a theatrical presentation of this, I think one of the most closely uh, attuned to what happened would be The Passion of the Christ, uh, a movie that was shot a long time ago, and and, um, it it was powerful uh, as it depicted Jesus on the cross. It was so powerful that the movie, just because of the crucifixion scene, uh, had an R rating uh, because it so depicted uh, what Jesus would have endured by his crucifixion. And uh, so what would happen, and we read this in the scripture, that they would come along, the Romans would come along and say, this is taking forever for these people to die. And, and some people believe that maybe even some did it as a merciful thing, but, but what they would do is they would come along And they would break the legs of the people that were on the cross. And by doing so, they would die almost instantly because they wouldn't be able to push themselves back up again to breathe. And so they're doing this, the scripture says, because it's Passover, which is just an interesting time because um, how many know God is right on time? Did you know that? Not on your time. I didn't say that. 
But he's on his time. He's right on his time. And um, so Jesus' death, out of all the time uh, of a year that Jesus could have been killed, could have died, it was Passover. And uh, maybe next year I'm going to talk about Passover. I don't have enough time today. We'd be here till 3 o'clock for me to tell you everything. But um, Passover is a celebration of God taking the people to the promised land. God making a way over the Red Sea. God making a way. Uh, God allowing a lamb to be slain for Israel uh, so that people could be forgiven and passed over. And Jesus dies on Passover. But when they get to Jesus, they're going to break his legs. But there's a scripture that says, not a bone of his body will be broken. And so when they get to Jesus, they find out there had already been a soldier ahead of them who had come by, heard him speak his final words, and put a spear in his side and blood and water come out. And so he's already dead, they figured. And so they don't break his bones. Another thing that I want you to know about the cross is I think a lot of times when we think of the cross, and I've seen a lot of pictures. How many have seen a lot of pictures of Jesus on the cross? And um, artists, paintings, and different things. And many of them will paint him you know, pretty high up, but many crucifixions were not way up in the air. They were closer down so that they could hear the mockery of the people really well that would come by and, and spit on them and, and mock them. And so Jesus, perhaps only a few feet or, or so, maybe not even that, away from people as they mocked him, as they ridiculed him, as they cursed at him. And the scripture records that he only, it only records seven statements, seven words from Jesus on the cross. In the hours that he was on the cross, there's only seven recorded statements of Jesus So that tells you just how difficult it is to even speak when you're crucified. And so these seven statements are strategic. And again, I don't have time to even go into all of those today. But I just want to make comment that that Jesus suffered a lot for you. Okay? The, The point being... Today, as we get started, we, on this Palm Sunday, we, we, we can get ready with our Easter outfit. Come on, somebody, for next, next week and, and everything. And are we going to go to a buffet or what are we going to do this year and, and all this? And, you know, everybody get their baskets and colored eggs and different things. And I'm not knocking any of that stuff or whatever. I grew up with stuff like that and, and all that. But what I'm saying is let's not... Let's not pass over this week 
without realizing just what it means. Uh, let, let's not celebrate the resurrection too quick before we remember. That's what today's about. As a matter of fact, that's what communion's about. That, let's remember what he did. Let, let's remember the cross. And so on this cross, he, he makes these statements. And, and as I said, he's, he's stabbed with a spear and blood and water come out of him. What, what is that about? I remember when I first heard about that, I didn't understand that and didn't, didn't understand the significance of it. One of the gospel writers talks about this, but let me just give you the medical phenomenon that is known as pericardial effusion. Pericardial effusion. What is that? Medical profession says it occurs when the body is severely dehydrated. Now, by the time Jesus is crucified, he's probably not had anything to drink for over 24 hours. Because of all that the Bible says that he endured. He, he's in the garden, he's praying, and then he's arrested. And then there's several trials that take place. And then ultimately, finally, he's crucified. It, it's been a long, long time since he's had anything. And the body, severely dehydrated, goes into hypovolemic shock. And what happens when that happens is the heart is overworked. The heart is stressed as much as it can be. And, and if that happens, a couple things occur. The heart mainly can build up fluid around itself so that there's an emission of, uh, of this water around the heart. And so what was happening to Jesus is he is experiencing uh, like a broken heart for you and for me. His heart is stressed out as much as it can be. And, and what we know is that when Jesus was pierced in his side, that if blood and water came out, he was already either dead or dying right then. And of course, the spear would have pretty much sealed that by being stabbed in the heart. But I want to read an eyewitness report from that day when Jesus was on the cross and this happened. Here's what John says in John 19, 34. He says, instead of breaking his legs, one of the soldiers uh, pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. Isn't that amazing that before John knew what was going on, before he knew, before anyone knew, before any doctor knew, before any science knew, before anything uh, was discovered about pericardial effusion, uh, John says, that's what happened. Because I watched it. I, I saw it and he wrote it down. And, and so history records the trauma that Jesus endured on the cross. And then Peter 
records this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness by his wounds you have been healed. And he's quoting and reflecting on a passage of scripture written hundreds of years before this that would absolutely predict what would happen on the cross. What, what Peter is saying is that Jesus, why, why, why would a righteous person die like that? Why would somebody, because even Pilate said, I don't, I don't see any reason why we should kill him. Right? He, he's trying to get out of it. And, and if you read the whole story, you read where his wife's like, uh, get away from that guy. I had a dream about him last night, and you need to have nothing to do with him. And so he's trying to you know, pass it off. And ultimately, in a way to try to wash away his own sin, he washes his hands in front of the people and says, I'm not guilty of this. Don't, don't blame me for this. This is your problem. And of course, the people say, let him and his blood be on us. They didn't even know what they were saying. Because really, his blood, it, it wasn't really supposed to be on them. Their blood was supposed to be on him. Their, their sin, their payment, their cost of wrongdoing. But Peter says, this righteous man, this 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 person that I followed for over three years of my life took your disgusting sin, the ugliness of who you and I really are, the, the thoughts that we've had, that the, every dark moment, like we talked about last week, how would you like it if your worst day could be depicted on these screens. I know I'm not signing up for that. And, and, and so Jesus took your worst moment, took, took everything on him. And it's interesting because the, the Bible writers, the, the people who were eyewitnesses of this whole thing, they said a strange darkness came over the land. You know, it, it was like an eclipse or something. There was a, like a strange darkness that happened in the early afternoon. Like from about 12 noon until 3 p.m. There, there's this weird, strange darkness as maybe it's like God is turning away, that, that he's got to allow Jesus to take all the sin upon him, just like when the priest would lay their hands on the goat and, and they would transfer the sins of the people as a scapegoat. We, we use that term, and we don't even know where it came from. But, but they would transfer symbolically the sins of the people upon that animal 
And it's almost like God is doing that with Jesus. As people saw this weird darkness that came over the land. Maybe people are a little more quiet than what they've been before. As there's just an eerie feeling that's going on. And then at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, pushing up one more time on that spike driven into his feet, Jesus takes in enough air for three more words. The final words that he would utter on the cross. It is finished. And John says, after he said that, he gave up his spirit. It's, a, it's, a, it's like John says, they, they were really killing. He gave it up. Because at any moment in time, he could have changed it, right? At any moment in time, you know, there could have been 10,000 angels, come on somebody, that line up and get rid of those, you know. I mean, he himself, who spoke the earth into existence, could have totally changed the situation. But the scripture says it had this eerie darkness. It's three o'clock in the afternoon, and it's like this weird darkness. And then this guy that everybody doesn't know why he's dying. They don't know why he's dead. And, and the only thing that, that Pilate would put over his head is he's king of the Jews, because the other people had thief, murderer, you know, swindler. But Jesus over his head, king of the Jews. And, and so the soldier watches. He's intrigued because there's a lot of weird stuff going on. And when Jesus utters these words, there is all of a sudden an earthquake. And he doesn't understand what's going on, but they do back at the temple. Because inside the temple, the veil that separated man from the holy of holies, the holy place, all of a sudden gets ripped right in two. As God declares, it is finished. The sacrifice has been made so that you and I can come into the holy of holies. We can come before the Lord. Hebrews says, so we can come boldly before the throne of grace and obtain mercy to help us in our time of need. I want somebody to know today that the veil has been torn, that you have access to the living God to be able to come into his presence. And, and when the soldier saw this, here's what a few of them wrote. He said, I think this was the son of God. I think this was surely the son of God. 
And again, all of this around Passover. It's just so amazing because, I don't know, when, when you read the Bible so many times, then you're starting to see things you didn't see before. And, and you just see the, the timeline of God. You, you see how amazing God is, that how he orchestrates things uh, to happen and, and how this all fell into place so that at Passover, Jesus would be crucified so that God could show what he's been trying to show for thousands of years that I will pass over you. I will. I, I do have a way for you to come before me. And it's not you get better. It, it's not you get more perfect. And if you'll just live perfect, then we'll be okay. Because how many know that plan didn't work for you? <laughs> right? It, it just didn't work for you. And God knew it wouldn't work. And, and here's what's amazing about this, because I, I can't talk about Jesus crucified. I want to shift gears here and talk about him prophesied. Because Jesus was prophesied in Psalm 22 as the suffering Savior. And I want to read some longer passages of Scripture on this Palm Sunday. Because this Scripture, Psalm 22, is, th this is one of the ones that Jesus speaks on the cross. Now again, he only, he only speaks seven things. So how many know that, that those must have been some big things? Well, if Jesus only said seven things on the cross, I kind of, you know, what are those things? And one of them is a quote from this psalm that was written hundreds of years before Jesus would die on the cross. Psalm 22, verse 1, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, it's like Jesus is saying, I'd like for you, after this is over, to go read Psalm 22. <laughs> okay? It's like he's given a clue, you know. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the first verse, and then you hop in, okay? You, you come along. So here, here's where we go. We, we go to that psalm, and I'm not going to read the entire psalm, but verse 6 says, But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by... Who does this remind you of? Verse 7, All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. You, you can find almost these exact words spoken by people in front of Jesus on the cross, by the eyewitnesses. In verse 14, it says, I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint, which can happen when you're crucified. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. 
My mouth is dried up like a pot sheared. Now, again, he hasn't had anything to drink for so long. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me, maybe literal dogs, but also Jewish people referred to Gentiles as dogs. And they were the ones crucifying him. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. Now, now get a hold of this. Because, again, you just kind of read this. This guy's writing this way before crucifixion was ever invented. How's he come up with this? And, and he says, all my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. Who could this be? I was at Disney World, and some Jewish fella was there in front of me, he and his wife, and they had like a Jews for Jesus thing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? These are people who are Jewish, but they have decided Jesus was the Messiah. We need to quit looking for somebody. He was already here. We just need to accept him. And, and so we engaged them in conversation, and we're talking, it was like sick them to a dog, all right? I mean, they were just like all over that kind of conversation about Jesus, and because they were excited about Jesus. And, and the guy said to me, he looks at me, this Jewish man, and he says, have you read Psalm 22? <laughs> I said, Yeah. <laughs> And he says, who else could it be? He says, but what's crazy is my rabbi never talked to me about it. My rabbi never talked to me. He says, I don't even remember even referring to Psalm 22. Because if you read it, how can you say anything but it's about Jesus? He says, it's amazing. So I had to read it again, you know. And, uh, Isaiah 53 says he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was Pierced for our trans hundreds of years before Jesus. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted. Check this out. Yet he did not open his mouth. And that's what the gospel writers say. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, like a sheep before its shears is silent. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? Who stood up for him? 
For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. And we don't have time to read about that, but a rich man came forward and said, I'll bury him. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life... And the Lord makes his life an offering for sin. He will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life. We'll talk about that next Sunday, right? The light of, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge and by and, and of my righteousness. My righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great. He will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors crucified with all the other, all the criminals. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. One more, Zechariah, one of the last people to write in the Old Testament. Zechariah 12.10, they look on me, on him whom they have pierced. Notice who he says, it's God speaking. They look on me. God says, I'm going to be on a cross. He, he told the Jewish people, he, he told them ahead of time. This is what my friend is saying. Why can't we get this? Why, why can't we get I mean, I got it. She got it. We're down here preaching to everybody we can find about it because we want our people. He said, pray for our people. Pray for our people that they would recognize that the Messiah has come, that he has come so that they can have life. And here's the last thing I want to do and then we're going to take communion. I want to talk to you for a moment about Jesus the example. Jesus the example. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, one of the translations says, fix your eyes. How many, maybe you need to get your eyes fixed. You need to get your eyes fixed. So you can look at Jesus. Because Jesus had joy on the cross. Now, I just... That's hard for me after all I told you that he went through. So how, when you go through things, can you have joy? Would you like to know that? I said, would you like to know that? Like, like when, maybe you're not hung on a cross, but you feel like you're going through a cross. Crossroads in your life. Some big stuff. How do you do that? Here's three things Jesus did, and then we're going to take communion. The first thing is you face your fears. Jesus said before getting to the cross, he prayed this prayer in Matthew 26, verse 39. Father, take this cup from me, but yet not my will, but your will. Your will be done. Is that the prayer you pray every day? Or do you pray, Lord, do my will today. 
Is it more like that? Lord, I've got a great plan for my life. Now, if you'll just endorse it, (laughs) if you'll just anoint it, you know, put the power of the Holy Spirit on it, we'll, we'll go places. And, and Jesus says, no, that's, that, that's not what you do. What you do is, is you address your fears. Because, see, some of us, we're afraid to let go and let God. Let's just be honest this morning. Some of us are afraid because, because, wow, if I step out there, if I get sacrificial in my giving, what might happen? Have you ever thought about what might happen positive? I know a lot of us can go negative real quick, but I'm asking you today to go positive. Be a person of faith and say, what if I go to the cross and the whole world is saved? That's what Jesus was thinking. What if all mankind, the sin is paid for? See, you need to speak over your feelings, speak over your fears, and say, what if God uses this for his glory? What might happen? Here's the second thing, is forgive your enemies. Jesus says, this is one of the other statements on the cross, is Luke 23, 34, Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. See, you have to let go of judging other people. How many many of us are really good at judging other people, right? We, We can... I know their motive. Now, my motive, when I do things that aren't so good, I had a pure motive. But them, mm, they're a rascal, right? You can't, let me just say it this way. Maybe write this down. You can't have joy and unforgiveness. Okay. You you can't have joy and unforgiveness. So you got to let it go. And here's the last thing is you got to forecast your future. That's how you have joy on the cross. You got to foresee what's ahead. I believe Jesus was looking to even today to a bunch of people in Avon, Indiana, who would be in this room and who would fill this place with worship and praise, who maybe might lift their hands and praise him and thank him for forgiveness, grace, mercy, and his love. See, because Jesus said to the guy next to him, here's one of the other things. He said, today, you'll be with me in paradise. How do you know? It's like he's already been there. He's forecasting the future. See, again, some of us are real good at negative forecasts. Yeah, I heard a cold front coming through. I heard it's going to get bad. I heard it's going to get, you know, we, we predict the negative in our lives. Here's what Job says. And it, it, I don't have time to preach Job today, but Job had a lot of problems, okay? If you've never read Job, uh, he had a lot of problems. 
And, and here's what Job says. I know that my redeemer lives and I will see him in the land of the living. He says, I, I know my, uh, you, you can talk about my boils, you can talk about all my pus running out of my skin, all the nastiness of my life and everything, all I've lost and everything else, but here's what I'm seeing. Here's what I'm looking at. My Redeemer lives. How many are looking to your Redeemer today because you know he lives, and if he lives, I can face tomorrow. All right, I got I to gotta stop right now. I got more to preach, but I got too much, all right? So uh, I came too loaded. <laughs> you ever done that? How many have overeaten before? All right, I, I think I overate this week. But we're going to celebrate the cross together. But there's some people here that need to accept the message of the cross. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Father, speak in this moment to every one of us. Maybe some of you are here and you'd say, Craig, I need to consider the cross more in my own life. I'm a Christian, I'm a Christ follower, but, but I need to think about how I should take up my cross for him. He did so much for me. He paid so much for me. And sometimes I hold back. Sometimes I, I don't step out in faith. Sometimes I, I get caught up in my own. Am I going to be able to make it and do it and whatever? God, God, today help us to step out in faith. Maybe you're here and you just say, Craig, I want to consider the cross more in my life as a believer as a Christ follower. I want the cross to shape every decision of my life. I want my future to look more like the cross of Jesus, that I'm willing to do what he wants me to do, go where he wants me to go, be what he wants me to be. Would you just raise a hand right now just all over this place? You surrender again to the cross. Yeah, Father, we surrender to you. Lord, I remember singing all my life, I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. But God, it's so much easier to sing than it is to do. And so God, we ask that today we wouldn't just sing about it. We wouldn't just talk about it, but we'd actually do it that we'd surrender all to you, all to you. Maybe you're here today, and most important above everything else that's done in this place right now is that you would know that Jesus did come 2,000 years ago, did die on a cross, and he did it all for you. You need to know that. You need to know that he, he did all of that and took joy in it, in the horror of it, because it meant heaven for you. And if you're here today and you have not accepted that sacrifice 
as payment for your sins so that God will pass over you. If you've not done that, or if you have done it, but it's been a while and you've walked away and you've been doing your own thing and somehow you walked in here today and, and now the Lord's speaking to you. If you need to come back to God, if you need to come to God today, will you just raise your hand and say, I want to accept that sacrifice for me today. Yeah, just all over this room, just raise it up. And online, just type the word decided in the chat, the word decided, and we're going to be praying for you. As a matter of fact, let's everybody pray. Pray this prayer right after me as I lead you in it. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on that cross to pay for my sin. I know that I've sinned, but I want to start over. So I ask you to wash away my past. Free me of my guilt. Write my name in your book so that when I die, I'll go to be with you. As much as I know how, I surrender all to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate those who prayed that prayer here and online today. And let's uh, get ready to take communion at this time. Take it in hand and stand to your feet as we celebrate the cross together. I don't want to get in a hurry. I know you got fried chicken to eat or whatever. I say that all the time, but... You know, we, we live in a hurried society. Hurried. And let's not hurry this moment. Can we do that, church? Just not hurry this moment. Let's give it what it deserves. Because Jesus did this. The reason why we're doing it is because Jesus did it. And he said for us. To remember him by this. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take, eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take and eat the bread remembering the Lord. Thank you, Lord. And in the same way, he took a cup. And after he'd supped, he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, drink it in remembrance of me. Let's take and drink the cup together, remembering the blood that was shed. Amazing grace, 
How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Somebody just praise him right now and just love him and praise him and worship him and adore him. Hallelujah. 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 What a price, right? What a price that was paid for you and I so that we can be free. Let us not take for granted what he did for us. So much so that this week we tell somebody about it. When it means that much to us, you just got to tell somebody. You got to tell somebody. And this week, may that be the case. I want our prayer partners to come. If you have a need that you want prayed over today, These folks would love to pray with you, pray for you before you leave this morning. Otherwise, church, let's be the church this week. Come on, let's be the church this week. Let's shine, let's show, let's allow Jesus to be seen in us through us. Hand out those cards, get on social media, do everything you can beg people, bribe people, (laughs) whatever, to get them uh, here next Sunday so that they can celebrate with us. Let your neighbor's life be changed over this next week. Wouldn't that be awesome? Let's pray. Father, help us this week to be an example of the cross of Jesus. May we be willing to share our faith. You hung on the cross for us. I I think, God, we can do whatever for you. And so, God, this week, may we be willing to do whatever to shine our light to those around us. God, through the Holy Spirit, draw every person down for prayer that needs prayer today. Don't let anybody leave without receiving the prayer that they need. God, again, go with us so that we can make a difference in our world. 
because you made a difference in our world. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.